everyone. On this episode of Feminine Focus, we have Chin Mai to talk about neuroscience and how it plays a role in quarantine as well as coronavirus. So first, I would just like to start off with how you're doing. How are you dealing with this crazy pandemic? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, currently attending classes virtually, but otherwise can complain and everyone's safe, healthy, and happy. How are things going for you? Yeah, so I'm also virtual. Thank God. You know, my school is making good decisions and it's very isolating, of course, you know, and I'm just getting by, like you said, and I'm very grateful to all our healthcare workers, everyone who's working, you know, hard to keep society up and going still, and yeah, I'm just really lucky. And today we're going to be talking about, like I said, neuroscience and the COVID-19 pandemic, and first, I know that you're very passionate in that arena, so I would just like to ask you what sparked your interest in it. It's a, it's kind of a really silly story, and it just <laughs> illustrates, um, how clumsy I was as a little kid, or I guess kind of just curious to the point of clumsiness, but I, I like the story I like to share is when I was about 13 or so, I was at a science fair event and you know how there's those exhibits where they set up booths where you can play around with things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a, there was a lady who had a brain model is the part that kind of that you could take apart and play around with. And so I, I was really excited. I was like, oh my gosh, anatomy is so cool. So I took apart all the parts and then it was time to go as it always is. And so time to clean up. And I didn't realize that I didn't know how to put them back together. So, you know, this elderly lady is just kind of staring back at me like, hey, are you going to put the things back together? And I'm just here like with the pieces in my hand thinking, what am I going to do? So um I think it was that point I kind of had a little bit of both an existential crisis, but also an epiphany in a way where I realized that, hey, there's a lot to the brain, a lot more than I realized there was. So that really sparked my interest. And as I mentioned, you know, I really was curious about anatomy and the brain is just fantastic for exploring anatomy. So that really got me interested in that line. And I kind of entered neuroscience through a neurobiology perspective and then later on and on kind of through events and internship opportunities and just meeting cool people, uh, seminars and whatnot, I really kind of realized that, hey, this was kind of the new frontier and I enjoyed learning about the brain and nervous system and yeah, everything just kind of went from there. (laughs) Yeah, and I know you're also the founder of Simply Neuroscience. Do you wanna maybe talk about what that's been like and how you even started an organization like that? Yeah, so I will also acknowledge that I didn't actually intend to be starting out a nonprofit organization when I started. Uh, Simply Neuroscience was actually the name of my blog. Uh, I was fresh out of high school and I wanted to kind of reflect on the experiences that I had with neuro during high school, especially since it's not super common for, uh, or at least a few years ago, it wasn't super common for high school students to get involved in neuroscience, especially where I grew up in kind of suburban a town uh, up in Northern California, uh, where it's very tech and CS heavy and engineering heavy. So it's kind of unusual a little bit, but 
what really sparked kind of simply neuroscience was the collaborative aspect. Uh, I was really thankful to have multiple kind of students show interest and want to contribute to the project. And so we started growing into initiative from there. Um, and I think the core values that have really stuck through even to today are sort of one, neuroscience is incredibly collaborative and you know the community has grown from there. And then two being that the multidisciplinary nature of the field is really what makes it open and welcome to everyone, regardless of if they're a science student or a humanities student. Um, so those kind of two aspects have really grown into what the mission of Simply Neuroscience is today. And uh, to quickly summarize, it's, it's approaching neuroscience from an interdisciplinary perspective and like a three-tiered approach to doing so is focused on outreach, awareness, and education. Yeah, so you talked a lot about interdisciplinary aspects of it. Could you elaborate more on that? Because I personally more of a humanities kind of person. So I'm just wondering how that would like play into that. For sure. So kind of why we have that focus is because in when you think neuroscience, I'm assuming that because I was this too when I was younger, I thought of neurosurgeons. And yeah, so Grey's Anatomy, you know, Dr. Strange. Oh <laughs> um, all the popular media representations are heavily focused on, you know, surgery, clinical aspects and medicine. So very science heavy, um, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Um, I think neurosurgeons are very cool. And, but there's also quite a few connections out there in the broad range of the field that we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about. So for instance, um, I know a neurobiology professor who later kind of shifted into the intersection of neuroscience and art to shed light on kind of what he was studying in the lab in a more colorful visual representation, but also sort of more interpretive aspects too. Like for scientists who study how vision works, art can be really interesting in both, you know, in the lab setting as they are experimenting, but also kind of how can we explain these really jargony concepts to the uh, general public in a easily understandable and uh, entertaining format too. So I think like neural art is something that really comes up on the top of my mind. Also, I kind of think that history of neuroscience, especially because it's so rapidly building. Um, I know like a few historians who are tracing it uh, back to kind of origins and figuring out the in, uh, influential figures in the field, for instance. Um, and also other non-STEM fields such as business, for example, I think business and neurotech really go hand in hand sometimes. Uh, entrepreneurship is really big because again, you know, neuro is increasing and it's and its breath. So, you know, we can think of Neuralink, for instance, as something that comes up off the top of our heads. Uh, what are kind of the economic implications of products and technologies like that? Um, music that it's inspired by neuroscience concepts, for example, the ethics aspect. Um, I really do believe that outside of like the laboratory and clinical setting that we're more often exposed to. There's just a wide range of uh, industries that are doing really cool stuff, whether it be from journalism to outreach to anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I, you mentioned like how it would be jargon to like the general public, me being part of the general public. So I just wanted to segue into that and talk about how neuroscience, how your experience with it, what you've learned over the past few years, how does that relate to it? our experiences during corona because I know like mental health is a huge part and people are starting to talk more about it now especially because it's a huge part of isolation like my school is like heavy you know focused on mental health now because we know it would be affecting us differently so yeah let's just like jump right into it like what should we know about neuroscience and, like how we can relate to it 
For sure. So I want to start off with kind of like an emphasis on why neuroscience is important to understand. Uh, I think one of like the big uh, misconceptions that we see is like, if I'm not going to pursue neuroscience as a career, then why bother learning about it? Um, but I, one of my mentors recently kind of shared with me the idea that we don't learn about neuroscience in K to 12 education in schools, at least most public schools. So we learn about physics, chemistry, biology, environmental science, and all these different topics, but neuroscience is not a part, uh, which is kind of puzzling because out of all those fields, I think that neuroscience is probably the field that affects us most on a day-to-day -day basis. So we're kind of, it's kind of sad because we're not able to really understand ourselves. We don't get opportunities to study neuroscience built into the educational curriculum. So big reason for why neuroscience is so applicable, especially during the pandemic, is because from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep, um, our diet, our social interactions, our, um, whether we're feeling tired, whether we're inclined to watch a movie or procrastinate on Zoom homework, all these different factors are influenced by our brain. So as an example, our brain is really hardwired for social connections for some people, right? And when we're in isolation, that can take a very big toll on our psyche. So neuroscience is really, like you mentioned, it's, it's so important for understanding kind of the basis of mental health, how our brains normally function, how are they functioning in kind of this abnormal time period and how can we really use those kind of scientific findings to break down stigma? Um, and like you mentioned as well, like schools are starting to put more focus on talking about mental health. So I think that in a, in, a, in a kind of a weird silver lining, I think the pandemic is really allowing us to put uh, more emphasis on breaking down the stigma surrounding mental health. And really, you know, science is, of course, there's a lot of discourse about science being discredited during this time. But I believe that, you know, neuroscience can really help us understand how to deal with conflict situations, deal with difficult times, because we're really built on resilience. So it's really fascinating to see how the brain can um, help us in that way during this time. And then, you know, trickling down to our everyday lives, whether it be practicing mindfulness or kind of eating a healthy balanced diet over still indoors, getting exercise, all these really are important for brain health. So yeah, I, I honestly could go on and on and on, but there's so many aspects um, that being like in isolation and quarantine during the pandemic can really you know tell us about how our brains function. Yeah, for sure. Like, I know it's crazy how science is being so politicized nowadays and I can definitely relate to, you know, diving more into mental health recently because that's how I started Feminine Focus, which is supposed to have, you know, a mental health aspect since I realized how big a part it was of my mindset, how it like affected my life. So personally, like, what are some parts that maybe have affected you more, like whether it was diet or sleep schedule, procrastination? Yeah, I would say that, um, for instance, I think learning about uh, sleep schedule, uh, there are certain alpha, beta, gamma waves that um, affect how we cycle through different kind of waves of sleep during the night. Um, so REM sleep, for instance, is something that maybe you've heard. I think Ariana Grande has a song called REM. I believe she does. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about that. Um, but kind of sleep, for instance, um, not many of us understand the whole, like there's, I believe there's 60 to 90 minute cycles for sleep. Um, 
we don't know that <laughs> surface level, but it's so important to have kind of set sleep schedules, for example, that are informed by, you know, there are many uh, professionals, psychologists who inform um, on work specifically focusing on sleep medicine. So concepts like these are super valuable. When it comes to um, eating well, there's kind of the, the cute little thing where it's walnuts are good for your brain. Um, and I think overall, you know, not just walnuts, but even thinking about um, what kind of receptors does food stimulate, basically, whether it be, you know, from like, um, whatchamacallit, taste and smell, all the way through digestion. Um, when we're feeling stressed out, because especially, you know, understanding stress is so complex. Uh, when we get stressed out, our digestion is messed up. Um, so everything is really intertwined. Lack of sleep can give you a lot more stress, can you know affect your eating schedule, affect your kind of mood, affect your social relations, everything. So it's so difficult to kind of piece together this ideal kind of day in the human life that's fully influenced by neuroscience. But I think it's super fascinating to kind of, obviously none of us are gonna be experts, but to kind of take little bits and pieces of kind of better way to live our lives that are informed by neuroscience can be super insightful, kind of step in the better way to really allowing us to maximize our, our, our brain's potential and maximize our health too. Yeah, 100%. I feel like Gen Z as a whole is always sacrificing one aspect of our life, like for better quality of something else. Like for example, me, if I'm procrastinating on Zoom homework, I will cut off, you know, sleep, of course, like I'll lessen that, or maybe I won't be focusing on, on eating a healthy diet as much, which is counterintuitive because those will be fueling me to do better. But instead I'll be, you know, on my bed, working out or typing on my essay instead of, you know, eating dinner as I should or getting sleep when it's 12 a.m., you know, so. Have you had the same experiences, you know, has it been a struggle for you? Yeah, I would say, especially with time management, um, being at home sometimes, I forget that, you know, time really just blends into one thing and one thing. It really does. Like it's, yeah. yeah, it's so easy to just hop from one Zoom to one Zoom and one Zoom um, without kind of different separations in the day. Um, so for instance, I, I this is kind of slightly related, but some people in like a research lab that I volunteer at, they kind of um, were chatting about how having boundaries um, can really also reflect in the mental state as well. So even like walking through doorways, for instance, can set like different boundaries. Um, talking about, you know, how spatial navigation also affects the brain um, and our orientation. Uh, for instance, you may have heard like the suggestion to sit in different places around your room or around your house for different classes. Um, and it's because the brain, the brain likes routine, but it also likes separation. Um, so I think personally, what I see is I have no sense of time these days. <laughs> the day hours and hours fly by. And I think that's because oftentimes I'll just be sitting at my comfy desk with my comfy chair and I'll just be stationary. And I won't be moving around too much for class to class, maybe to get some water or something like that. Um, but that is really a big part, I think, because our brain is just so constantly kind of focused on, okay, we're here, we're here, and we're here again. So I think those kinds of things as well, I've definitely experienced, yeah. It's been a, 
it's definitely been a time of adaptability. Uh, I function so much more differently when doing virtual <laughs> college classes than I do with in-person college classes. And there's always the struggle. It feels like we were a lot more on top of our time management when we were in person versus virtual, which is kind of odd to think about. So I think a lot of it comes down to like perception too. And we are, we're obviously so burnt out right now with just news and worry. I mean, it's, it's so stressful even when you try not to think about it. So yeah, I think that's kind of a collective um, struggle for all of us right now, especially teens. Yeah, I definitely relate to feeling burned out. Like I remember going through YouTube, I was just in a rabbit hole of videos on how do you know, stay productive and stay, you know, in a healthy mindset during quarantine. I remember this one best dressed video. I don't know if you watch her, recognize her, but I love her a lot. And she was talking about how, you know, should separate your tasks throughout the day, you know, have a specific place for work and a specific place, you know, for comfort. So your brain will be hardwired to recognize those spaces and realize, okay, this is what I'm meant to do now. This is what I'm meant to do here versus there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I definitely do a very bad job of that. In fact, my mom was always on me saying, you spend so much time in your room all day. We rarely see you outside. And that is my own fault since I'll be on my bed for Zooms, be on my bed for, you know, perhaps eating. So I definitely could do a better job of separating that. And with the whole, you know, feeling of being burnt mm -hmm. out and losing motivation, I feel like motivation to like be or improving your quality of life during quarantine is so vital, which is a lot of things people compromise on because, you know, we're in this mindset of, oh, the world is so chaotic on the outside right, right now. Like, why should we, you know, be focusing on the inside? Like with current events, you know, with people dying at crazy, cre crazy exceeding rates that are only increasing. Politics right now is a very scary place to be in. And yeah, I just, how do you, like maintain focus on your own mental well-being how do you like stay motivated you know like maybe just for you or like what do you recommend for other people mm -hmm. yeah I would say that and you know this isn't coming from me this is like something I've learned so it's not like crediting others but the idea that um, like the common idea that you can only really worry about what's under your control is I think something that's so important to keep in mind because for instance, you know, with, with the election recently um, is like the intersection of the US election and the pandemic and future vaccines on the horizon and schoolwork. And it was right in midterm season too. Oh so God, like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> sorry? I can't even imagine what that must have been like. I know. <laughs> it was just a barrage, I think, for all of us. Um, so in those times, it was kind of like, can I control a vaccine development right now? Nope. Can I control the election beyond my vote? Not really. Uh, is it gonna change however many times I refresh the news? Nope. What can I control? My midterms and if I'm sleeping well. So it's kind of, I think it's so difficult to be like, let's go down the list and try to check off those boxes of what I can and cannot control. Um, because obviously those, those larger scale things trickle down to us as well. But I think just for the sake of maintaining our sanity, um, sometimes we just have to really get into that compartmentalized mode and say, okay, I'm gonna focus on schoolwork today and that's what's gonna go. I'm not gonna worry about all this that's going on. Um, it's, no one's an expert, obviously. I'm not an expert yeah. either, right? Like we're not experts. Um, and I think it's because the world is a scary place right now. Um, and, no matter what, I think especially because we're young students too, and it's like, we're in that weird stage where we're not 
adults and we don't have that responsibility, but we still kind of do. Um, and we feel the brunt of it as well. Um, so at the end of the day, I think, you know, practicing self-care just honestly goes so far. Um, for me, that's just going outside and watering my plants. I have lots of succulents and so got to keep on top of their watering schedules and everything. So that's kind of my little happy place because I can organize and I can, I can stay on top of, oh, also just reminded me, kind of having things that occur on a routine schedule, um, can, if things that excite you, for instance, if you have a TV show that has an episode uh, that releases, you know, every Monday or something, just put it on your calendar so you can look at it and think, ah, this is going to be cool. Yeah. Um, if you, <laughs> if you schedule kind of weekly by weekly calls with friends from high school or college, then put that on your calendar, make that a recurring event. So you have something that's more uh, confirmed and regular to look forward to. Maybe you and your family watch movies together every weekend. That's what my family does. Um, kind of, you want to have that bit of a routine along with just spontaneous joys in life, like going down that rabbit hole on YouTube once in a while. Um, yeah. Just this morning, I think I saw this Britain's Got Talent video about like a stormtrooper boogie dance or something like that. I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, but it just came up on, you know, suggested on YouTube. And then I said, hey, why not? I got five minutes of my life and I it was very enjoyable. So I think it's, it's perfectly okay to just kind of have those spontaneous moments. Um, uh, there's definitely points at which we, I think we beat ourselves up because we're like, I could have done a lot more with that 20 minutes of me watching cat videos, but also were you happy? And if the answer is yes, then, Hey, that's pretty solid. So it's, it's honestly difficult to kind of paint like a full thorough picture, but it seems like those kind of small scale things that we can look forward to can really go a long way for us. Yeah, no, I've always grown up, you know, being taught that moderation is the key to, you know, anything in life, you know, you should have a moderately good amount of like fun and moderately amount of, you know, work and then like have a healthy balance of that. And I think it's just really hard maintaining the intersection for a lot of people, but it's definitely something we should prioritize. And mm -hmm. speaking of intersections, you mentioned, you know, being in a weird position between being a teen and adult, and especially with you going to college at 17, right? Uh, 16. 16. Wow. So <laughs> be, I think in sophomore or junior year at the time. So what was that like for you? Like, first of all, like, how did you pull that off? Like, what was that whole experience? Because I wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I ended up skipping a year in high school as I was, had my coursework together and I wanted to kind of move forward. College was really exciting. It has been a dream come true as well. So that worked out. Um, but I will say, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I, I felt that it was a pretty smooth transition because I felt that I fit um, in well. And I think that I was mentally and emotionally prepared as well. I think that might've come from kind of um, two reasons. One being, um, I think naturally leadership is something that is really valuable to me. And I really enjoy being not just like an individual leader, but also like a, a leader within a group, kind of just taking initiative. Um, and when that happens, you know, that brings responsibilities. So I think I subconsciously over time slowly started growing into that kind of, and I understand what needs to be done, prioritizing, uh, communicating well. I think that's what sort of helped me grow. Um, you know, it was kind of came along the way and I'm appreciative of those experiences. And I think the second thing was actually getting involved in research, which is kind of ironic. 
Um, kind of odd to think about. But with research, um, I was oftentimes staying, you know, summers uh, independently. I mean, parents were there sometimes, but it was for the most part kind of balancing an early look into balancing research duties and also kind of taking care of myself at a young age as well. So I think that sort of allowed me to get an idea of what to expect. Um, I also think what's really wonderful about college, it's sort of this nice transition into adulthood. Um, so I guess now I'm like formally an adult, but it, it's so weird to think about because um, it's like we have this buffer kind of, we're not adults, adults, we're not, you know, going out and living on our own and kind of earning money and paying bills and everything. I'm thankful for my parents' support and that means, um, but it's also kind of like the nice feeling of being a student and having that kind of a buffer to really explore because obviously, you know, as, as soon as we graduate and we kind of step out into the big world, there's a lot of independence and responsibilities and duties that fall in us. So um, this is really a great time to explore. And I think that exploration in its own way really helps you develop that kind of maturity as well, intellectual maturity. Uh, as you kind of understand what's your, what's your place in the world, what's your niche, uh, gives you a sense of like, I, I belong in XYZ space. So it kind of helps you build your roots and grow in that means in one area. So I think it was kind of a whole bunch of different factors that came in. Um, I will say I definitely felt that I fit in and I was very thankful for my peers as well in terms of some of them, you know, knew my age, knew I was on the younger side, but it was never something as like, oh my gosh, she's so young. Yeah. Um, she, she doesn't fit in here. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's super welcoming. And I think professors even, it's just age is not anything to be of concern. I remember uh, for a psych course, I couldn't do one of the studies legally because I was a minor still at the time. So I had to do an alternate assignment and I emailed professor and I said, you know, this is the case. And it was, you know, it was completely normal perception. So I think people understand that as you're going into college, like you have obviously traveled some ways and you're, you're signing that you're signing up to do that yourself. Um, if you take a gap year, take a gap year, that's your choice, right? If you don't decide to go straight through, that's your choice. So with that, people kind of, I think were, um, understanding of my independence and respected that, which I respected. Yeah, no, glad you weren't ostracized or anything. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> often. <laughs> Did you ever feel like you had to grow up faster than you were meant to or supposed to? Because I mean, when I envision college, I have this picture I painted where I'm an adult, my life is pretty much together for the most part, even though, you know, taxes would be strung, sprung upon me. But I always envisioned myself being very put together mentally, emotionally, with my life and career. So did you ever have that you know, realization that, well, this is actually coming into place now? Did you ever feel like overwhelmed by everything that was changing? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, looking back, I think it was like a smooth and steady transition. And I think kind of also being in that sort of freshman cohort with everyone who's also going through the same experiences at the time can really help you troubleshoot where you're going off the road. Uh, and kind of help build one another up. Um, and so in that way, I would also say that I think also building Simply Neuroscience um, over this past year or so was a really integral part as well because the organization and sort of my own journey matriculating into Columbia sort of happened along the same timeline. So I think with 
nonprofits. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I didn't expect to be leading a nonprofit, but it's it sort of went along the way, and I'm very thankful. I I am thankful it all happened. Um, but definitely, you know, I went from being kind of a fresh out of high school, 16 year old, to like now I'm 18, um, having like the wonderful opportunity to have discussions with like leaders in neuroscience who are much, much older than I am, being able to lead like a team that's so broad and coordinate things that are so broad. And it really, I think that was the big part of kind of realizing, I think professional growth and that means um, kind of like going from a student to a student who's also a professional was, that was the big transition for me. And college definitely also pushes you to do that because you're not just taking courses and BA courses, but now you got to go apply those courses um, and make meaning out of it. Um, definitely what college does is kind of thrust you into a bubble of we're in a wider community now. So for instance, with a couple of student organizations that I'm a part of on campus, I would coordinate events and I continue to coordinate events. And so that involves communicating with people that I've never met before, communicating with community members, that was a lot of community, community. but um, with wider individuals in the New York City community too, and kind of starting from nowhere and building those roots. So it definitely, I think communication wise, just meeting people also helped me so much, whether it be peers, whether it be professionals, whether it be, you know, leaders, any anyone. So I think I credit that as well. Um, kind of the learning ecosystem really fosters that for you. So, you know, there's there's always the common feeling of being lost, but I don't know if, I, I don't think I personally have felt like the kind of lost in terms of, God, what does adult life uh, intend to be? So that's been kind of great in that way. Yeah, and I think the best thing is that you can be collectively lost with other people, you know, so you're all sharing the same experience, you know, confusion. You may be a freshman at different ages, but you're still, you know, going through the same, you know, oh, this is a new space, a new environment for me to learn and, you know, new skills that I have to foster and create for myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you mentioned how it like expanded and broadened your, you know, views and perception. And I feel like with school, it can be very easy to be stuck and hyper-focused in what's going on, you know, like, some people's mentality will be very like it'll just encompass of us being oh there's no point to like what we're learning you know it's just so ingrained we're being ingrained to like learn things that we won't ever learn in real life but then I feel like when you go out and be more active in the real world that realization hits you you know you can be someone who influences the world with that and with what you've learned you know you can actually implement those things and be more active and in general I feel like with my mentality I think I need that in terms of like getting through corona because we can be very ingrained and like hyper-focused on what's going on right now in life because of quarantine but like there was a before the pandemic and there should be an after to the pandemic you know I think people need to realize that the after may not be for a while based on like how things are being handled but yeah I think it's just really interesting about how we can be very influenced by how we like perceive certain things and like current events you know for sure yeah and um I also just wanted to ask like how like neuroscience in general may have impacted your mental health or like the way you act in general like hopefully it has been you know more aware of your own actions and then hopefully change it for the better has there been like any of that positive change yeah i would say um kind of the avenues that i mentioned before in terms of structuring my day 
kind of productivity was uh, definitely, definitely an impact. Um, I think it'd be kind of hypocritical if I was like a neuro student, I wasn't sort of a yeah. action. Um, but it definitely has. Um, and it's also so difficult to kind of pinpoint like what parts of my life, like my day-to-day -day life has neuro impacted because it's honestly a lot. And I think subconsciously too, it just, we, it's these sort of friendly reminders throughout our day from neuro, good old neuro. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I definitely think it's, it's made me a better person. It's cliche, but I think it's made me a better person. It's made me more understanding. I think for instance, especially on like the advocacy side for individuals with disabilities, for instance, or dementia, um, it really helps us bring empathy to the front of the conversation when we understand, you know, um, like, okay, this is what neuroscience tells us about XYZ illness or condition, but the lived experiences of a person who is experiencing that are completely different. So I think kind of that awareness has also kind of filtered down into my everyday life in terms of, you know, if, if someone is having like a breakdown um, at a store, and let's say, you know, financial shortages or there's shortages or just the toilet paper is gone or something like that. Um, these are really tying times. And just the simple ability of being able to kind of put yourself in someone's shoes and not assume like what someone is going through right now is, I think little itty bitty things like that can even go so far um, in kind of just helping us go on, you know, day after day after day. And like you said, there is, there was a before pandemic and there is a pandemic and there's going to be an after pandemic. So yeah, but I would say for sure. Yeah, I know for sure, like invisible disabilities and struggles do exist. And especially with mental health, I feel like they can be very invalidated because it's not something you may see up front. But yeah, you also mentioned like the advocacy point of view in terms of like neuroscience, which I feel like if anything, if I were to ever really get into that field, it would be like an advocacy point of view because I've been like very hyper-focused on that, especially during quarantine since I've like realized, you know, more social issues should be like focused on and like, you know, highlighted. And yeah, that just brings me to my lasting point if you don't have anything else to say. Um, just what can teens take away from neuroscience to improve their well-being, the way they act during quarantine, just their quality of life in general? I would say really, I think even the starting point would be identifying kind of like what points in your life do you feel are causing you distress? What points in your life do you really want to improve on? If you're procrastinating, you know, that's maybe that's even actively identifying that as such a big step because some of us just kind of uh, we don't recognize it. We just kind of think, yeah, I, I did good work today. So I'll just put it off and I'll put it off another day, another day, another day. So some of us don't recognize that, you know? So even those kinds of steps are so important in terms of um, identifying where you can really progress and better yourself. And I will say that, you know, along with kind of neuroscience's tips that are well known out there um, that we can sort of use on an individual level to better ourselves. Um, there's also a lot of professionals out there that can help um, you cope and get through and build resilience during this time. So, you know, the importance of therapy, for instance, can never be can never be um, underestimated. So, yeah, it's it's always I think it's so important. Neuroscience tells us, you know, if our brain is struggling, then 
it's you got to help it out. I mean, yeah, no, it's showing you for a reason. You're struggling, yeah. You're struggling for a reason, right? And so whether that's seeking support from your friends or family or kind of identifying those issues and speaking to someone who's an expert in that way or in any any regards, um, don't just let yourself suffer like that. Think it's going to get better um, because, you know, maybe there's a stroke of luck and you might feel better later on, but if something like this occurs again, then it's just better that you have those skills equipped and ready to go um, in like disaster and distress times like right now. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, neuroscience, just um, the kind of the kind of vibe that we get from it yeah. is to yeah. really be understanding of ourselves and understand how much our brain really makes us tick. Because um, it's, I mean, it's obviously the underlying factor for a lot of our emotions and actions and thoughts and dreams and everything. So yeah, can never really, yeah, neuroscience is kind of surreal in my, in my mind, in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> See what you did there? Bane of our existence. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming for this episode. Um, I really like learned a lot, you know, I'm definitely going to be focusing, being more like aware of, you know, procrastination, like, you know, diet, sleep, et cetera, because I need to do better with that. <laughs> you know, I'm being very hypocritical right now, trying to act, you know, all wise and whatnot, even though I'm struggling in a way. But yeah, I think we can all like focus on doing a bit better and like, you know, also taking our wins and rewards because it's a very troubling time for everyone right now. So, you know, just the bare minimum gets us by, but we should also recognize that we're doing it. Absolutely.